The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, uh, the only, the... Got your right glasses on now? Well, I'm going to be looking at you this whole episode, not reading, so I want to put my good glasses on. But of course, because of my rugged good looks and my hobo-esqueness. other ones on so I can't see you. Because I haven't shaved in a few days, so I really do. I feel like I should be on. I, I feel like I should be living in a homeless camp in Portland right now, just the way that I feel. The one off Delta Park? Yeah, exactly. You know, holding up a sign saying, I don't know, like, we'll work for food or I'm too lazy to work, throw me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Why lie? I want a beer. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Free butt sex with every dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that one. That is fucking awesome. Yeah. All right. So today is a two for Tuesday. So we got James Gregory Marlowe, which is a.k.a. is the Folsom Wolf, and Cynthia Kaufman, which is was his accomplice because, you know, it's two people for fucking Tuesday. That's is why. that why it? Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Isn't Imagine. that fucking amazing? It's amazing, you. I forgot to start our timer. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's okay. We could start over. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm just fucking with you. Oh, my goodness. You always have to light one, don't you? I do, because it pisses off all the non-smokers that listen to us. And thank God, he's smoking cigarettes. Hold on. Let me hit my bong. <laughs> Which I don't understand in this day and age. Like seriously, people go, "Oh my God, you're a smoker. That's disgusting." And they go <laughs> and hit a fucking pipe or a bong. No, wait, 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 wait. I got it. Give me a minute. Choke hmm. on that one. No, that's about it, right there. <laughs> Little slurp, slurp, and the cough. Yep. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it like that, but yeah, that's how it is. That's actually fucking hilarious. I'm over here dying, which I'm not opposed to smoking weed either. No. You know, but I don't bitch at people, you know, going, oh my God, you smoke marijuana and lighten up a cigarette. You smoke whatever the fuck you want. It's none of my goddamn business. Just don't smoke crack. It's okay to lick crack, not smoke it. That's your PSA for the day. Just, <laughs> yeah, I'll never about... forget you yesterday when you told me that. No, you said, I'm going to bend over so you can lick my brown starfish. And I said, yeah, let me go kill somebody first. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, eating ass and murdering. They're the same. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. <laughs> so let's talk about James Gregory Marlowe. Uh, he was born in 1956. He spent the first part of his childhood in Stearns, Kentucky. Ooh. His, yeah, out in Kentucky. Kentucky. In the Blue Mountains. <laughs> I should have done a sinus rinse. Yeah, well, I'm still trying to get up the nerve to let you do one on me because I'm scared of them. I got a hose. Anyway, <laughs> he was down in Stearns, Kentucky with his mother, Doris Hill, and his stepfather, Wendell Hill. His half-sister, Veronica, and his maternal grandmother, Lena Walls. I guess they hit the walls with that one. I guess. <laughs> Lean on them. Lena. L-E-N-A. Lena. Okay. His mother and stepfather fought constantly. Wendell actually shot Doris, and she, in turn, stabbed him seven times. So, you know, he's off to a great start, right? I was going right? to say, that sounds like you and some of your exes. I've never shot any of my exes. I've been shot at by my exes. And you've been stabbed. And I've been stabbed. <laughs> It's a fucking mystery at why, because I'm just such a peach. Yeah, peach. 
1963, Merlo and his mother, grandmother, sister, and an aunt, an uncle, and their five kids, the Brady Bunch. That is more than the Brady Bunch. That is like um, 18 kids and counting. That is like a weird cult commune going on. A, yeah. Get on the wagon train. We're heading to California because that's where they went. They went. They moved to California. Sounds like Jonestown. <laughs> no shit, huh? I got some Kool-Aid for you guys. <laughs> Everybody take a cup and a little sippy sip. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> you got to call Henry Lee first. That's right. Get the cyanide from him. <laughs> so his mother and grandmother didn't work. His grandmother did get Social Security, but it's unknown how his mom made her money. But we can guess. Five dollar. She's sucking some dick. Five dollar foot long. <laughs> that, that's what I was telling my researcher when, when her and I were talking. He, he was, I wonder how she got her money. It's easy, man. She ain't working and she disappears, which we're going to see later on in the story. She's blowing dudes. That's what she's doing. Yeah. She's swallowing some cock. Yeah. Because there's only she's two. She's a gobbler. Yeah, she's a cock gobbler. But she, she's so good, she's a cocksmith. <laughs> she's the wrestler of the one eyed wonder weasel. <laughs> I, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one. It's getting harder and harder to come up with fucking new ones. Jesus. Yeah. So, his mother frequently left them with, uh, uh, in their grandma's care for extended periods of time. And that's what I already said. Uh, she'd rather party and do drugs. Then, you know, pay attention to her kids. Matter of fact, Marlo and Veronica were neglected and frequently going hungry as their mom had to be reminded of their very existence. Almost sounds like the toy box killer, Uh David Parker Ray and his sister. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, One particular Thanksgiving, their mother took them to their, quote, uncle's house. Oh, yeah. We went to that one recently, too. Uh Uh-huh. This is your 45th uncle, Johnny. Yeah. I'll be in the back room. The Monster Florence. Mommy's got to make $5. (laughs) So check this out. She left to go to the liquor store and didn't return for months. Oh, wow. Now, in her defense, I've gotten lost in the liquor store myself. (laughs) I was going to say, how could you defend that, Scott? But now I see where you're Because I'm a bit of a social butterfly. Like the Um, last time I went to eat the the vodka, I probably talked to 20 people. No, probably like, yeah, 10, 20 people. But in my defense, a lot of people had seen the Twisted Blue show and been out to shows. So it was one of those times I really didn't want any attention. Because I'm normally I'm an attention whore. I just want to get in and get out. Oh my God! You play for Twisted Blue, don't you? You're like the thing. Yeah, that's that's me. And I'm thinking I just want to get my booze and go because I'm kind of in a fucking hurry. <laughs> yeah. So good times. Um, okay, she'd rather party and do drugs. What the fuck? Oh, oh, there we go. Okay, shit. It's in big enough type, and I still can't find my place, yeah. even though I have the cursor you right on it. You should justify it instead. You you know instead of. Never mind. I wonder what the fuck you're doing. Okay, well, let's just go with that. I know what I'm talking about. So she, at one point, though, did spend time in a mental hospital. Marlo spent, uh, was sent to live with his father, Arnold Marlo, uh, when he was about six years old. Arnold's then-wife, uh, Sue uh, Warman, said Marlo's mouth, quote, had sores all around it and his teeth were rotten. So that, that's the signs of neglect right there as well. Yeah, very much so. She took him to his first doctor's appointment and to the dentist and got him new clothes and enrolled him in school. 
Marla's father whipped him if things weren't done exactly right, though. Yeah, so there's some abuse on top of that. Yeah, the neglect and the abuse. And the abuse. So, yeah, the the, the, the kid's not off to a good start, man. Not at all. He stayed there for six months before his mother randomly showed up to the school and took him away. Because, you know, she's a great mother and everything. Yeah. Dad's not a peach either, but at least it sounds to me like stepmom is really trying to step up going, hey, yeah. I want to give you a fair shake, but between that mom and dad, you both are just, you're garbage. Yeah. I just got to admit that, you're fucking garbage. He was like sunk from the beginning. Well, anyway, she did have legal custody, so of course they had no recourse. Yeah. They couldn't go back and say, wait a minute, that's my son. They're like, fuck you. She's got legal custody because she's just such a stand-up mother. Yeah. Like someone else's mom I can name. <laughs> Let's in, not. In 1969, 69, dude. Ray Saldivar moved in with Doris, and that's Marlo's... Salad bar? <laughs> Saldivar, yeah, salad bar. Okay. He moved in with uh, Doris, and that's uh, Marlo's, Marlo's mom. Right. After having a relationship with her for almost a year that he'd known her. Okay. Caught up? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that confused look. No. It wasn't until a few days later that he realized that she had actually had kids. Oh, my God. He didn't know until she he moved in with her? Yeah, had no idea. A, a couple days after he moved in with her. So anyway, this was in spite, by the way, of him ha- actually have visiting the house several times. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God, you have kids? Well, okay, here's the thing. If you quit doing dope and fucking for cash, perhaps you would have noticed the youngins <laughs> that are starving Maybe to death. she would have, too. Yeah, maybe she would have, too. So in 1969, his father was contacted by the California welfare, welfare officials <clears throat> and asked if he could take care of his son. Okay. Okay. At age 13, he was in better shape than his stepmother. What the fuck was that? Okay, whatever. And had last seen him. Wait, wait a minute. Okay, when, when he was 13 years old, he was in better uh, shape than when his uh, stepmom had last seen him. Oh, okay. Got it. That's what it was meant. My eyes got blurry there. Duper duper. But he was still in the, uh, the, the same kind of like lost little boy that she'd remember. Okay. Which is understandable. You got, you know. Yeah. Mom's a fucking train wreck. The boyfriend yeah. sounds like a train wreck. Yeah. His dad's a train wreck. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, man. You're 13 years old. You're still, man, my life is a shit show. Yeah. <clears throat> so, he got along with his half-siblings. Pretty well. Okay. So that, that part's good, right? His father continued drinking and beating all of the kids, though. Mm. His mother went to prison. Okay. Singing the Folsom Prison Blues, a little bit of Johnny Cash. Where's the sister? Why do you have to ask me that? I'm not even there yet. I don't even know. Uh, okay. Just ask. I'm assuming that she's probably like mom going out and giving buck and blowjobs. By then, yeah, cash. maybe. Yeah, probably. A year later, Warman, that was the bro- that was the the boyfriend. I think. Oh no, Warman was the was the stepmom. Yeah. Had enough had enough and decided to leave Marlo's father. Marlo's father. Okay. In an attempt to give Marlo a better life, she took him to foster care. The one person in his life who gave a crap and she had no chance of getting custody. None. And that's the shitty part about the welfare system, mm-hmm. by the way. And I've uh, not the welfare system, but the the, the child welfare system when it comes to CPS and things like that. They would rather give a kid to a Complete family. stranger. Yeah, that, that, that's going to treat him like shit mm-hmm. than try to work it out with their own family. And I actually found out the reason for that. 
they make money, a lot of oh, money, yeah. by adopting out kids. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with it's the like welfare. It's like baby farming. It has nothing to do with the welfare of your kid. It has to do with them making that federal grant money mm-hmm. for every kid that they adopt out. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with that. It's fucking disgusting. So, CPS workers, fuck off. <laughs> no, I can't say that because uh, in my dealings with them, which I've had, I have met some caseworkers that were really good people. Oh, yeah. Really good. Not all. They're few and far between. No, it's just the overall system. Yes, the overall system. Just mm-hmm. jack the fuck up. So at some point, and relatively quickly, his mother regained custody of him. When he was 15, his mother introduced him to his first dose of heroin. Of course. She injected him herself. Oh, my God. Yeah. Doris was supporting her habit through Did she get Mother of the Year that year? She did, because this part here kind of justifies what I had said earlier. Doris was supporting her habit through prostitution and stealing from her clients. Oh, well, there you go. Sucking dick and stealing wallets. <laughs> it's an it's a, it's a honest living, yo. <laughs> Later that year, she introduced Veronica, his sister, to drugs, as well as taught her how to steal. Of course. So, this is Marlowe's early crimes. Almost like the bloody benders. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the family, you know. Fucking, we're going to teach you how to do drugs and steal. And, and that's why I, I had said earlier that, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure the sister ended up prostituting. Probably. Because when you become a slave to a drug, you'd be surprised what you do to get that you drug. You would be surprised. I was fortunate when I had my habit that I never had to do anything sketchy. Yeah, me neither. You know, but... Uh, I would probably say over 90% of people that get addicted don't have that Especially option. cocaine, because... Yeah, coke's fucking vicious, that's man. That's a rich man's aspirin, poor man's habit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. That's, yeah. So on November 5th of 79, Marlowe and his friend Alan Smallwood knocked on Jeffrey Johnson's door. Marlowe asked him if he worked in construction. After Johnson answered yes, Smallwood struck him in the face with enough force to knock him to the ground. Wow. They asked him where the drugs were. Smallwood, uh, Smallwood restrained him while Marlowe uh, searched the apartment. And how, this is my question, and I agree with my researcher. How does working in construction lead you to believe he possessed drugs? Yeah. You're a framer. You must have drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's weird. But then again, you know, I can always say, you're a priest. You must have little boys. <laughs> Did I ever tell you how to uh, yes. get a nun pregnant? Yes. Dressing like an altar boy? Yes. Like, okay. Sick fucker. <laughs> then, he, then they forced him downstairs to his female neighbor's apartment. They held the three of them hostage, one of them naked as they searched for the drugs. And ultimately, they stole over 180 bucks each and each victim's ID and one of their car keys, presumably the car, too. Oh, yeah, you'd think so. The victims were told not to call the cops because they had their IDs and would be back if they did. We'll be back. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <coughs> I'll be back. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Because it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. We'll be back. <laughs> Get them the chopper. California. <laughs> I want to be the governor of California, the state. <laughs> You're so sad. 
The next day, Joanne Gilman was working in a leather goods store. Marlowe came in with his hands in his pocket uh, of his sweatshirt, and he told the customers that he had a gun to lay on the floor. Thinking that it was possible that he did, despite not actually seeing one, they followed instructions. Harlow, I think that's supposed to be Mar- uh, Marlowe, but okay. Let's change that shit really quick. <laughs> Robbed the cash register while they laid there, which is probably your safest bet, like seriously, because it's a 50-50 that he might or might not have a gun. Yeah. But is really the cash register worth your life? Yeah. Precisely. Take the money. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Better than me dying. I can make more money. On November 20th of 79, Marlowe, armed uh, with a sawed-off shotgun and Smallwood, uh, was armed with a pistol. They robbed a meth clinic of $10,000 worth of meth. Woo-hoo-hoo! A meth clinic or a methadone clinic? I'm pretty sure it's a, it says meth clinic. But it's probably a methadone clinic. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too, because a meth clinic makes no sense. A meth lab, yes, but not a meth clinic. I'm going to open up a meth clinic. I bet you I make billions. Oh, you probably, you know what? We would. <laughs> Notice how I include myself in that one. Hmm. New business venture. Anyway. You're so bad. Now the IRS is really going to fucking audit They me. are. They are totally. <laughs> Fuck now. <laughs> You're a dumbass. <laughs> Marla was arrested on November 26th with meth in his pocket and a shotgun wrapped in a t-shirt. Marlowe would marry and divorce multiple times over the years. Shut the fuck up, because I will throw something at you, because you always mention my divorces. Can't help it. You, you, are, you know what? I only know one person who's been married as much, if not more, than you. Only one. Who? A friend of mine in Florida. In Jacksonville, Florida. That explains a lot. <laughs> Fucking Jacksonville. Probably married his, one of his no, sisters. No, he's actually pretty normal considering Whatever. He's, from he's probably right now married to one of his sisters. Nah. Fucking Jacksonville. Hey, it's, it might be that sister. Maybe they have a bandana wearing iguana. That's no, that was in Orlando. People. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> God damn. That still haunts my dreams. That's just I know. Me. Okay. So, anywho. Marlon's criminal life uh, started when he was about 10 years old. Likely another uh, fine thing his mother introduced him to, by the way, was mm-hmm. the life of crime. In 1980, uh, he was committed to Folsom Prison. Ha ha, see? I hear that train a coming. It's, it's rolling around, around the, the bend. bend. I ain't seen, seen the, the sunshine since I don't, don't know when. Because I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. You know what's really funny? It's my son I'm and I just sang the song the other day. <laughs> Oh my God! You, you can't say Folsom Prison without, without singing, singing Johnny song. Cash. If you're in some other parts of the world and you don't know who Johnny Cash is and the song that that, that, that please look it up. It look is, it up because that's a crime. That's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic song, man. <laughs> Anywho, he's in prison uh, for uh, okay. He's committed to Folsom Prison for at knife point a, a knife point home invasion and burglaries. Okay. He served three years and earned himself the nickname the Folsom Wolf. Ow! Dog Ash. <laughs> Marlowe also received and proudly wore uh, the Aryan Brotherhood tattoos. Oh, yeah. So, you know, That's already, honestly, already I don't like him. Because, okay, and, and here's my thought on it. Seriously. Okay. I think it's okay to be proud that you're a white person. Yes. Okay, I got no problem with that. And I put this right up there with BLM and all of that, which is going to piss off some of our listeners. 
if you think that you are better than somebody because of your race or your color, you are now the problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, which is why they kind of considered the group that I got in trouble with, we were considered white supremacists because one of my co-defendants had... uh, Yeah, water, please. Had white pride tattooed on the back of his arms. Oh, that'll do it, man. You yeah. bunch of damn racists. I was a skinhead. Yeah. No, but you know, that, and that, that's my thing. The, you know, and I've gotten to this argument before where they go, oh my God, you don't like BLM. You think it's a terrorist group. It is. It's no different than the freaking, the, the neo-Nazis. It's the no Aryans, different than the Aryans. Yeah. It's the same thing because you're taking a group of people. And setting them above everybody, everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah. When from, at least for me, everybody, no matter what your race, color, creed, religion is, um, you're all the same across the board. Either I'm going to like you or I'm going to hate you. It has nothing to do with your fucking color. Yeah, we all bleed red, right? Looks up for you. <laughs> Blue. <laughs> Thank you. I, I still think you're alien, but... I am. Thank you, intern. <laughs> From the planet Mycock. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't call... Our Monday, your cock. <laughs> My God. I know, night cop. <laughs> mm. I just fucking spilled water. I missed my mouth. Well, you're wearing a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt, so a lot of things get missed. <laughs> Don't make fun of my boys as I rub my boobs. <laughs> They're males? My cowboys? Yes. They say used to be. <laughs> I thought that was a female team. That's the Dallas Cowgirls cheerleaders. Look. Same thing. Are my nipples hard? <laughs> well, I'm grossed out. I'm going to go fucking stick a gun in my mouth now. <laughs> now you know how I feel, mister. Let me bend over and show you my asshole. <laughs> I've been traumatized. Dream the impossible dream. <laughs> so let's talk about his girlfriend, Cynthia, for a minute, okay? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's a two for two. Cynthia Kaufman was born on January 1st. So she's a New Year's baby, 1962, in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh. As an infant, she suffered from a double inguinal hernia. Ooh. I know what that is, because I had one, uh, which required surgery. Two so bul- what is it? Um, so this way, it, when they, one of the reasons why they had to cut me up is so um, your sack sits like this. So I got my hand in the kind of a seat. This is why we got to do the YouTube videos. And so at birth, my nuts, like when, when your nuts drop into your sack, it's supposed to seal itself off. Yeah. And mine didn't. Oh. It kept it open so particles could get in there and it would hurt like a motherfucker. Oh. And then. So you had surgery when you was little for your nuts? No, it finally sealed itself off. Oh, okay. But that was one of the things that they brought up when I did have my nut surgery. Oh, when you had testicular torsion? Yeah, with a testicular torsion when they were all torqued out of place. Gotcha. So, this defines as two bulges on either side of her groin area caused by weak muscles, likely due to poor fetal development. Wow. <laughs> Little science fact for you. Now I feel like Bill Nye the science guy. Okay. She grew up with her mother, Carol, and her stepfather, Bill. I got a fuck. God damn it. This isn't a real name. <laughs> Mainder? M-A-E-N-D-E-R? Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, it's a Mainder. <laughs> It's a meter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. With a meter of two, <laughs> carry the five. <laughs> we're doing long division, weren't we? 
She didn't build a strong bond with her mother, but did with her stepfather. Mm, I mm. bet. I've seen those videos. I was just say, what does that tell you? So, get this, and this will explain a lot. The family, uh, they, they were all devout Christians, and Kaufman experienced a fairly privileged life because they were Catholics. But, you know, she's not a little altar boy, so you know that the priests aren't after her. No, but this sounds like the stepdad was. That's right. Hey, little stepdaughter, why don't you come sit on my lap? You're so bad. Play the, gold, play the, play the skin flute of faith. Sick fucker. <laughs> she did well and was uh, sociable throughout grade school and high school and middle school. But in high school, Kaufman experienced issues with truancy and drugs. I guess she fell into the wrong crowd. That's the best I can figure. Mm, sounds like it. Maybe she smoked the marijuanas like they did on well, those you know, commercials. It sounds well. Look, she was a she was neglected by her mom. Right? She no, didn't, didn't have a good relationship. Well, they, they just weren't tight. You yeah, know? but still, I mean, it wouldn't be a shock to me that she'd fall into the wrong crowd. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in all seriousness, maybe she was like really tight with her dad, but maybe, I don't know, some people conflict. Yeah, that's true. And maybe it was just such a personality. Maybe they were exactly like each other and they conflicted. Like me and my son. Like you and your fucking son. Uh-huh. Or maybe it was just they were so different that they couldn't relate to one another. Yeah, my son and I are so much alike. Where are you going? Were you getting hot? Yeah, I turned the heater down because fuck. I'm getting sweaty balls. <laughs> While she was in high school, Kaufman ran away from home and stayed with her boyfriend, Ron Kaufman. Do you see a connection right there? Okay. This is her adult name. Ms. Oh, Kaufman. okay. Okay. I, you, you, you know, my dog gives me that same look whenever I say something. And head to us to and shit. For months without her parents knowing that, that she, where she was. She just got ghosts. Kaufman came home after learning she was pregnant. Short, shortly after graduating high school in 1980, she gave birth to Joshua. That's her son. I got that. Okay, hers. <laughs> I following. <laughs> Joshua's a boy's name. Thank you. It's a normal name. Unlike your I fucking know. yabba-dabba-doo woman you did yesterday. I know. Cynthia and Ron were married quickly after, and they moved uh, into a cottage on her mother uh, on her in-laws' property. However, their marriage wasn't a good one. Ron was mean uh, and likely bitter, physically abusive, and cheated on her many a times. In 1982, Kaufman left her husband and moved into an apartment uh, of her own. Joshua stayed uh, in it at his father's house and in his care in april of 1984 she moved to page arizona and i have no fucking idea where that is me neither yeah i've never okay cool uh and her in-laws gained custody of her son okay she she says she had intentions of send of sending for joshua when she got all settled well in page she I gained guess... employment as a waitress and within a few weeks, moved in uh, with a local by the name of Doug Hartley. They were evicted from their apartment in 1985 after multi- compla- multiple complaints of loud all-night parties. Okay. I'm thinking that she may have continued with the drugs. Or not. Who knows? The couple, the couple moved to Barstow, California. I actually know where that is. Hartley worked uh, as a construction worker. Actually, Paige is right on the border of Utah. Really? Yeah. Oh, 
it's up north of Flagstaff by approximately 135 miles straight north. Oh, well, shit. Staff. Okay. Yeah. Now I know, and knowing is half the battle, That's right? That's right. So, a couple of, they, like I said, they moved to Barstow, and Hartley worked as a construction worker, and Kaufman worked as a bartending waitress and sold meth. Okay. Yeah, you know, a little side hustle, right? And that's, of course, a really solid way of getting your kids back. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your occupation? I'm a bartender, a waitress, sell a little bit of meth. Yeah, got a side hustle. Got my little side hustle going on. Great. Take your kid back because you're just like half the foster parents out there. So That's right. <clears throat> on May 8th of 86, the couple were, uh, they were uh, pulled over for erratic driving and running a stop sign. Police found a Derringer revolver in Kaufman's purse next to the meth. Oh. Because, you know, if you're going to do it, this is what I don't understand when people get pulled over. It's, it's never like, hey, they were randomly pulled over for no reason and they found meth. It's like, hey, we had a bunch of drugs and some guns and we were driving like a fucking moron. Yeah. <laughs> and surprise, the cops said, that's not, that's a no-no. Yeah, that's not same, that, same. That's not same, same. <laughs> And they pulled him over, and we got pulled over, and we got fucked. Well, yeah, because you're an idiot. So, needless to say, both arrested. Kaufman was released five days later on her own reconnaissance, and later the charges were dropped. Okay. (coughs) Sorry, spit went down the wrong way. (laughs) I didn't relax my jaw. (laughs) Hartley served six weeks. During his incarceration, he bragged to his cellmates about how wonderful his girlfriend was. Hartley's cellmate was, dun, 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 ready? Marlo. James Marlo. Marlo was in jail for stealing uh, his, uh, was for stealing his sixth ex-wife's car. Holy Six shit. ex-wife, more than you. He's got maybe, yes, yeah, six. If he got married at the first legal opportunity without parental consent, that would average uh, to a marriage and divorce every two and a half years. Yeah, that's about you. No, I was married. Mertz and I were married for three years, I think. And then Amanda and I were together for eight. We were married for four, five, five years. That sounds right. The rest of them don't count because the rest of them just fucking, yeah. (laughs) Marlon was really... Wow. <laughs> there you go. Well, my, my other ones were just totally fucking stupid. Your other like, ones were just names on pieces of paper? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. That's a sad day. Marlon was released while Hartley was still in jail. He made a beeline for Kaufman in, in Hartley's apartment. Marlon told her Hartley had asked him to check in on her. Kaufman says that they hung out for about an hour, smoked some pot, nothing else happened, uh... For she was in the devoted relationship with Hartley. Yeah. Marlo says they had sex, and for him, it was love at first sight. At first lay? I found my lover. It's my cellmate's girl. I found my lover. It's my cellmate's girl. <laughs> number 41 said to number 43. <laughs> Prettiest inmate I ever did see. Joe Hell's Rock. Song? 
Really? Yes. Holy I don't know fuck, th- that is yeah, from Elvis. It's not, I don't know if those are the exact numbers, but yeah, he says those. Yeah, and gives you I, a totally different look on Elvis now, huh? <laughs> I can't do this. I just, I can't. I, I like how I like. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just like flabbergasted. But yeah, Elvis had a song about jailhouse love. <laughs> I need, I, I, I need Jesus. That's, that's <laughs> or heroin. Or ha- take the heroin. That's fine too. In June of 1986, Huntley was in jail again, and Kaufman decided uh, to leave him. Okay. Marlowe came by to ask for a ride, and she was prepared to leave. She took him uh, to his cousin Debbie Swab's place in Fontana, where, uh, where he basically he bought meth. And Fontana's SoCal... That's like you got Ontario, which we'll get to that in a minute. There's a part in Ontario, which is not Canada. Right. Ontario, California. You've got like, it's the San Bernardino Valley. Okay. Is what that is. Which isn't Ontario, Oregon either, because there is one of those too. Yes, there is. That's on the Idaho border. Yes. I'm a hoe. You are a hoe. Or or Orida. You know, where the French fries are made, Orida fries. Yes. It's on the border of Idaho and Oregon. Yes. Orida. And it sits, it's in Ontario, and it sits right next to Americold. And they process them, and they ship them on a conveyor belt right over to Americold where they're flash. flash oh, really? Flash. Yeah. I used to deliver potatoes to them. Oh. And I picked up out of Americold there uh, many oh, times when know. I was driving over the road. Okay. A few days later, the new couple moved to Newberry Springs, which I don't know fucking where that is, where they stayed with Marlo's friends Steve and Karen Schmidt. At the Schmidt House. <laughs> At the Schmidt House. You're in Does the it Schmidt smell house like Schmidt? <laughs> Ew, there's Schmidt everywhere. That's I used to work gross. with a guy named Schmidt. You Schmidt me not? I Schmidt you not. <laughs> Just for Schmidt's and giggles? Yep. Go Schmidt. <laughs> I'm not lying. It's here that Kaufman alleges Marlowe told her he was a hitman, martial arts expert, and white supremacist who had killed black men in prison. Marlo denies ever saying this. So now we're into... Why would of, she make that up? I don't know, man. Well, you'll, you'll see later on because it's going to get a little bit more convoluted. Oh, okay. I kind of just... I talked to my researcher about this and I kind of skimmed over this really fast because it's been so fucking outrageously busy and I felt like shit. So, yeah, there you go. Kaufman also says that this was when he first tied her up and beat her because he thought she was flirting with other men. I say she wanted it. She's like, spank me, big hitman dad. Well, aren't you the one that told me yesterday that you're surprised I didn't have black eyes when I was married? Goddamn right. You don't listen. <laughs> I do that's listen. Why, that's why I will never date a woman who has a black eye. She didn't listen once. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you're so stupid. Just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. I really don't condone spousal abuse or women abuse or, or, or man abuse. Abuse in any way. <laughs> That's not what you said the other day when I was whooping your ass. You wish. You're after, you're after my son as well. No, is. your son is after me. You were looking at his... He was... You were looking at his bed going, I see you have a big monitor. <laughs> no, he asked me to look at his big so monitor. It's so much bigger no, than the one your dad uses. Every time I come over here, your son at some point or another says, I'm not saying no, but... <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> See? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Fucking A, man. I'm just telling you. I'm going to get back to the goddamn story, you fucking six sons of bitches. He apologized and said it would never happen again and treated her better in the days immediately following. They always say that. Yeah, and that's going to say, that's very typical of abusers. Oh, always. It's it's always. I'm sorry, and you made me do it. There's actually what's called the circle of abuse, Mm -hmm. the cycle of abuse. And it usually goes. Something happens, and it can be something small. The abuser, and it's women too, by the way. You bitches aren't getting out of this one. Some of you women out there are fucking abusive. Just oh, very like much this. so. The abuser attacks the victim, mm-hmm. a loved one, beats him down, apologizes, and when it's a man-woman type of a thing, or it's a couple thing, they try to get him into bed because that, that that's a way of starting over and reconciling. Right. That's the end of the cycle. And then they get treated great for a little while, mm-hmm. and then it starts again. And usually when the apology happens, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't want to do that, but you made me. You, you forced me, or you drove me. Or, or it's false promises, like, yeah. I'm going to get help, and blah, blah, yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It's, it's bullshit. Because people don't get help, and they don't change unless they really fucking want to change. Yeah. It's just my thing. Aww. She says he stole her, her address book uh, with her parents and her son's addresses, and in it... Uh, Addresses in it. Okay. And refused to give it back to her. Okay. He became verbally abusive. She wasn't allowed to go anywhere alone. He threatened to kill her kid and family if she left him. Now, that sounds spot that's, on. That's her that claim. tracks. Just wait. But wait. There's more. Okay. Marlo uh, admittedly denies, adamantly denies, taking her address book and threatening her family. Of course. Because nobody's going to admit yeah. that shit. They did have an argument where he pushed her uh, open-handed to the ground. That's what he claims. Okay. Kaufman tells how Marlo told his father he had died and left... Wait a minute, what? Oh, told her that his father had died and left him some property in Kentucky. And if they, were, if they went there, they'd be able to uh, get back her son. Okay. Either by living there or selling the property and living somewhere else. Marlo convinced her to steal a friend's truck, which they repainted black. Okay. It was a, the black vehicle. Yeah, it's better than a white chomo van. Which, by the Nothing. way, last time I was over here, some white chomo van tried to run me off the road. That was my chimo van. I know, probably was. I didn't put my free candy sign up yet. They see me rolling. They all want my uh, sweets. Do they picture you rolling? They do. In your five honey bins? They, they want my lollipop of love. My sucker of desire. My cracker of pelvises? <laughs> Nothing? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Marlo, of course, has a slightly different version of events. He says that he'd asked her to help him... Uh, a painting a trailer and she said no because she broke a nail he proceeded to bite off the remaining part of her nail and trim the rest of the nail with clippers uh, it was likely the stolen truck that was being repainted and exacerbated at the lack of help he probably did trim her nails perhaps not so gently that was like a weird convoluted story that like 
had no place there. Wait, it gets even weirder. Okay. It, it does have a place because it shows the, the abuse. Oh, okay, gotcha. If you think about it. Yes. Marlon said that uh, he had family all along the southern states. On their journey, as they mooched off various family members for a place to stay and stole any valuable items that they could find, it wasn't long before word spread and they were no longer welcome amongst the extended family. This forced them to stay in the woods where Kaufman got lice and Marlowe had to bathe in kerosene to get rid of them. You know, they make this stuff called mayonnaise that kills lice. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but no, let's bathe in kerosene. So we can already tell they had the IQ of about Lucas and Tool. I should say of a donut. Of a donut. And that's being mean to donuts. <laughs> I know. Damn crispy creams. <laughs> Marlon and Kaufman passed through St. Louis on their way to Kentucky and arrived quite late in the evening. By the time she could uh, get her in-laws on the line, it was about midnight, and they were very reasonably said, hey, it's, dude, it's just too late to fucking visit. Yeah. It's midnight. What are you doing at midnight, man? At midnight, I like to be cuddled up or fucking or, or sleeping, you know, or, or something. I don't want visitors at midnight. People call me, hey, let me come hang out with you. It's midnight, just random. And they'll kiss my ass. I got yeah. no place to stay. You fucking figure that out, motherfucker. Yeah, that's why I just sneak in the door and stand over I'm like, you. Fucking business hours. I'm locking my bedroom door from now on. <laughs> the next morning, Marla said that they had no time to visit, so they drove through to Kentucky. In Kentucky, they stayed with Greg, quote, Lardo. Who? It says, quote, Lardo, so I'm thinking that's got to be his nickname. And Linda Lyons in Pine Knot. This is when she claims Marlo told her the real reason that they were there. To carry out a contract killing of a snitch. Because snitches wind up in ditches. Look at me. I'm from Kentucky. You're weird. <laughs> I like banjos and sister humping. <laughs> okay. She did what she uh, what he asked anyways and lured the victim uh, out of his house under the guise of having car trouble. Okay. The man had a gun tucked into his belt at the small of his back. While looking under the hood, Marlowe stepped out from the woods by the side of the road and uh, demanded to know what he was doing with his sister. Yeah. What you doing with my sister? The only one who can hunt my sister, boy, is me. This is Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky and Arkansas. The only one who can hunt my sister is me. You're disgusting. We have family values. God heard it. You're like a piggy boy. <laughs> I am so confused on this story, but go ahead. It gets more convoluted. Because I'm I, just looking at you like, I am not understanding. Either I'm not following along because I don't feel good or something. It's a very convoluted story. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of components to it. When I was talking to the researcher about this one here, she said, look, there's like fucking 19 pages, but there's a reason. Okay. Like, follow this down a rabbit hole, and that's what I'm doing. So Kaufman heard a gunshot but didn't see what happened. They went uh, back to the Lions. That's, you know, where Lardo, where Lardo paid them 5000 bucks. Okay. Kaufman says she was beaten several times while in Kentucky. 
Marlowe's version of the event states that he initially agreed to the hit, but when they arrived, he wavered because he didn't want to do it. Kaufman told him to man up and do it, or she was going to. Yeah, like, man up, or I'm going to shoot this motherfucker myself. Wow. When he saw the gun, he was worried about Kaufman's safety, and the gun went off accidentally during the struggle. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Yeah. That is, the dude's bent over a car for a chick. Yeah, there's no struggle. And you already see the gun at the small of his back. There's no struggle. That didn't go off. He didn't come go, boo, or anything like that. (laughs) They're stupid, but goddamn, not that stupid. Marlon also said Kaufman wanted to accept another contract hit for 20000 in Atlanta. The ATL. The ATL. When he balked at the idea, she said that she'd do it, you know, all by herself. Kaufman had also wanted Marlon to kill her ex and his parents so she could have her son back. When he said no, she threatened to go to the police. That's when back and forth slapping occurred. <laughs> Kind of like Laurel and Hardy. Like Pollock fighting. Like Pollock fighting. (laughs) Oh, I miss Pollock jokes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Not the kicking or hitting in the face with a clutch plate like she said. That's what she claimed. A clutch plate? Ow. Now, I saw the research about this. I'm not familiar with cars. You know, uh, like, and I go, well, let me tell you, man. For those of you that don't know. Clutch plates are fucking heavy as shit. Yeah. Um, they weigh about, for, for a small car, they're probably maybe 10 pounds. Yeah. For an average size car, I'm going to guess 25. Yeah, that's back when they had clutches. <laughs> yeah. Those are heavy, man. Yeah. That's, if you get hit in the face with one of those motherfuckers. You're going down. It would, she would need, seriously, reconstructive surgery. Yeah. And that's even if he picked it up and just slightly even tapped her because the force, the inertia behind it, and the, the, the force of impact just from going slow yeah. will fuck you yeah. up. They're not, they're heavy. Yeah. Because I remember when I blew the clutch on one of my cars back in the day. <laughs> I bet you that's not the only thing you blew. <laughs> you know what? Don't be jealous, Scott. If only I could blow as many guys as you have. I know. I bet you do wish you could. Oh, my God. You're a twat. I hate you. <laughs> Mid-August, they drove to Atlanta where Marlowe had gotten a job from a former boss. Hey, boss. Boss, what can I do for you? Because I'm an idiot. That night in the hotel room, she says he beat her, threatened to cut her eyes out with scissors. He cut off all of her hair and then forced her out of the room naked. He let her back in only to sodomize her. Marlo denies kicking her, tearing off her clothes, or forcing her to have sex with him. She had been flirting with other men and told him she was going to have sex with his boss. He previously threatened to cut off her hair. uh, This time, he actually did it. Okay. Yeah, well, I can kind of understand that in, in a weird way. Because if <sighs> to me it sounds like they're both abusive. And I was gonna say it's it's, it's not single sided abuse. No. So normally you have an you have the abuser and you have you have, and then you have the victim. Right. And in this case here, it sounds like she's antagonizing him on purpose. Right. It's just <sighs> god damn. There's, there's so much like 
I could have a whole episode of just analyzing these two idiots. Just the analytics behind it. Dude, I still want to do an episode where we analyze Lucas and Tool. That's going to be our special episode in a couple <laughs> weeks. we got to do that. Fucking love them. When he didn't show up for work, he was fired. Of course. Because I'm, I'm a nice guy, but if somebody doesn't show up for work and doesn't call in, guess what? You're fucking fired. Apparently, you have better things to do than come to work. Yeah, usually it's sleep. Oh, wait. You wake me up anyways. Doesn't I matter. do because we have. I've been better, though. I've been letting you, you have sleep been a little bit because you've been sick. I so have I mean, been. I can't. I mean, I've been sleeping on the couch last week. Right, right. We're gonna we're gonna fix you up after this, right here. You and I are gonna mm-hmm, do a little okay. experimenting. They returned to Kentucky, where they meandered around looking for marijuana plants to steal. Now, let me tell you something. This is before the legalization of pot. That's a lot of like hit and miss wandering, isn't it? Pot growers back in the day it's, were serious. It's worse than moonshiners. It's worse than the fucking cocaine plants. Yeah. They have they have booby traps, things like fish hooks on wires and things like that where you'd walk into them and tear your face and eyes up. Yeah. Um, everything to kill you, and they would fucking kill you. These motherfuckers are like, oh, we're going to find some pot plants to steal. You fucking idiots. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. I mean, you might as well go look for a still, right? Yeah, exactly. In the backwoods of Kentucky. Especially if you're in Kentucky, hey, just tell tell everybody that's your sister, and they'll be like, "Oh, sister, fucking that that, that checks, that tracks, <laughs> that tracks." Eventually, they stole a station wagon heading off to Arizona, back to Arizona, right? In Arizona, they robbed Doug Hartley's parents' house and stole the safe. Now, remember, Doug Hartley was his uh, cellmate. Yes, I think. Yeah, that was his cellmate, yes. wasn't it? Her ex. <laughs> yeah. Inside, they found papers and 10 silver dollars. They took the coins and buried the safe in the desert before returning to Newberry Springs. I'm going to assume that Newberry Springs is Arizona. Probably. (coughs) Where they stayed with the Schmidt family again, just for Schmitz and giggles. Marlo and Kaufman stole their car and uh, and two of their rings. It's in California. It is? Oh, okay. They pawned one and traded the other for meth. Go figure. Wow. On July 26th of 86, they robbed uh, a home of Whit- uh, in Whitley County where they stole some cash, jewelry, and a shotgun. Shortly after, Kaufman and, and Marlowe were married in Tennessee because, you know, that's a perfect marriage waiting to happen right there, right? Yeah, it's like right east of Barstow. Oh. Yeah. That's weird. I would have I thought that I would have recognized that, but I, I honestly don't. They've been around that area quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah. Caught that, though? That they got married in Tennessee? Yeah, caught it. Because that's... Uh, it, it does my heart good to see people that much in love that are so stable. <laughs> Just... Tie the knot? Tie the knot and continue their life together. God damn, man. Somebody should have shot them. <laughs> Just stupid on stupid. I wonder if Lucas and Tool attended the wedding. That just topped that one right the fuck off. Kaufman had Mar- You okay back there? No. Kaufman had Marlowe tattoo her ass with property of the Falsum Wolf and her ring finger with Wolf uh, with a lightning bolt through it in lieu of a wedding ring. Okay. Then they took off looking for the next easy prey. 
a tattoo on her ass that said property of. That's. I have so many jokes that, no. All I can see with these two is if they hadn't gotten caught, she would have had property of Folsom uh, Prison Wolf or whatever it is scratched out, and then property of Dan the Baker Man, and then crossed (laughs) out, and then property of John the Mechanic scratched out. Yeah, pretty much. Psychos, man. Early October of 86, the couple took a bus back to Fontana and crashed with the Schwabs. The Schwabs? That's a new one. Okay. The Les Schwabs? That's what I was thinking, man, but they're up in Prineville, Oregon. (laughs) Then they hitchhiked to a friend of his sister's, Veronica, picked them up uh, and brought them to her home where she lived with her husband, Paul, and his brother. Okay. So apparently now she's married. So, but that doesn't mean she's not still, like, doing dope and sucking dick. I'm just saying. While there, Kaufman says Marlo beat and threatened to kill her. He forced her to take four pills, which, according to him, cyanide extinguished. According to him, were cyanide. uh, Put out a cigarette on her face and stabbed her in the leg, leaving her unconscious for a day. It's called extinguished a cigarette, but I know you know how to talk. I did, but then my brain fucking just went. (laughs) Because I'm hungry again. It's that volume. It's that volume thing. It's what I was telling you about. Anyway, uh, leaving her unconscious for a day and unable to walk for two days. Wow. Marlowe says he accidentally nicked her while stabbing the bed during an argument. The pills he gave her were Dilatin uh, for pain and never said they were cyanide, which makes sense. If they were four pills of cyanide, that's where her story would end. Veronica says the wound was small and didn't bleed much, (coughs) nor did it impair her. Ability to walk. <coughs> she also says Kaufman never expressed any fear for herself or her son. Uh, but did say that she wanted Marlo to kill her ex-husband and his parents. According to Veronica, Kaufman spent most of her time high on meth. All right, so now we have some victims. About fucking time. This is a long... This, I might make this a two-parter after this. You okay over there? Yeah, my mom asked me a question. Is it about me? No. It should be. It's not. I'm going to send her nasty photos. You're disgusting. Let's get into some victims, and uh, then I'm going to kind of wrap this one up. We're going to make this a two-parter. Oh, okay. Because we're already in an hour. Oh, many victims. You know what? No, we're going to wrap that up right now, because it goes on for quite a ways. Okay. So let's make this a two. This is part one of it. So, remember, you can send us an email at Brutal Nation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium. Crime Beat on Medium. And wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. We pop right up. Get the whole story without my bullshit. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will catch you fuckers tomorrow. Bye. Bye.